Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. Well, today we have a special guest, Marcus Colston. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Good to be here. Marcus, there was a lot of places to enter in. Um, you know, a lot of people know you as a Super Bowl champion, but more importantly, like when I look at like Kobe Bryant, or are we talking to like John Wooden? What do you do uh, with Coach Close was talking about John Wooden? When the ball goes flat, what do you do, right? And now you're a strategist, speaker, entrepreneur. A lot of people, as mentioned, know you as a Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer for the Saints, so on and so forth. But I can't wait to get into your story and uh, super blessed to have you, my man. No, it's, it's, it's an honor to be here um, and definitely looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I lo- love the the platform that you guys have built and, and love what you're about. Yeah, I took one of your quotes. You said 1% chance of success and I am it. I think that's a great point because a lot of people say, what is an underdog, right? Well, in sports, an underdog is, you know, you, you have less odds according to maybe Vegas or, you know, less odds from the media to win a game right? In life, it can be someone that has circumstances in their life that are working against them, socioeconomic or different things that might not give them an ability or working against them to overcome that. Um, can you go into, like you said, that, that quote that you're, you know, what you had 1% chance of success and you did it. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, really in reference to, to my football journey, but it, but it expands into a lot of different areas of my life. Um, you know, the, the odds of, of, you know, being under recruited and, and only getting two scholarship offers coming out of high school, um, ended up at a, at a small one double a school at the time. Um, you know, the odds from, from there to get drafted at all, um, slim to none. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get drafted at, at the very end of the, the seventh round. Um, and again, you see the odds, you know, the seventh round picks, you know, they're, they're kind of lucky to be on a roster year one and, 10 years and Super Bowl championship and some records later, um, I got a chance to really, you know, get as close to leaving on your terms as you could. So, you know, just kind of in every stage of your life, you're going to, you're going to have odds that are stacked against you. Um, Good, bad, and different. And, you know, those odds can account for a lot of things. The one thing that they can't account for is who you are. And, you know, that's kind of been, you know, really at the core of every step of my journey is, yeah, the, the, the skill sets and the technical things that I can do are, are one thing, but my competitive edge has always been, you know, continuing to be who I am, authentic to who I am. And because of that, it allows me to go out and execute in a different way. And that becomes my, my competitive advantage. Yeah. And you talk about irrational confidence. Did you have stemming into, you know, how you help you know, be an entrepreneur today, you advise business, you coach, you speak, do many, many different things, multifaceted, unbelievable talent. But you talk about irrational confidence. Does that stem from, you know, kind of that underdog approach of, you know, you've, like you said, you parlayed not being, you know, the most highly recruited high school student athlete, then to Hofstra, right? Then to seventh round, then it's, well, you know, you, what are you going to do with the saints? Now all of a sudden, you know, you, you lead the organization in receptions and yards and, and then you're a hall of famer. Would you say you just parlayed that chip on your shoulder or that underdog, you know, moment. And now you're using that irrational confidence as the balls come flat. At 110%. I mean, it's, it's, it's really 
a function of who, who I am at this point. Um, you know, my, my journey, um, I always, I always talk about it in, in this way. You know, my journey is not possible without believing in something that you can't see and, you know, believing in something that people tell you is not possible. Um, but it's also not possible. My journey doesn't happen without, you know, people in my corner, um, to support me when there was no upside to supporting me, you know, people that were there, you know, when, when things didn't look great, um, people that were there just for the sake of being there because they, they had a love or, or an affection for me. And when you can have that combination of, of the right support, that's there for the right reasons. And you truly believe in this, this thing that I call the North star, you, you think you can put a vision out there that's so crystal clear that you can touch it and feel it today. And it gives you an ability to, to really, as you're chasing it down, it, it allows that, that vision that you have to stay front of mind. And that's what allows you to navigate, you know, the, the naysayers, navigate the, the odds that aren't in your favor and, you know, continue to move forward in a way that, you know, the odds of you getting there, you, you kind of understand the odds are slim to none, but you know that if you stop at any point, it's never going to happen. So you just got to continue to move, put one foot in front of the other, you know, kind of build your process in a way that your confidence starts to come from your preparation and your process. Right. Um, and as you continue to stack one day on top of the other, one month, one year after the other, your confidence, that irrational confidence builds because, you know, you've put in the work and, and you know, you can feel yourself getting, you know, inching step step by step closer to that to that end goal and that destination. Yeah. You say, you know, it's not how you get there. It's what you do when you get there. And I think when you do get there, what you do is you create separation, you know, in your mind and you use that throughout your life. Once again, now into what you're doing, um, after football, can you kind of go, what is, you know, those that are listening, they hear that, right. They say, Oh, it's probably Kyle or Marcus. That's so easy for you to say, or something like that. Right. It's not how you get there, but you know, it's what you do when you get there. And then, but now you're giving them a tangible nugget, what I call a knowledge nugget of creating separation as your mindset. Can you go into how maybe someone listening, right? You're coaching them, you're leading them, you're speaking to them. How do they create separation, you know, in their mind of whatever they're focused on? Yeah, absolutely. And, and th there's a thing that, that I, that I, it's, it's really core to what I believe and it's, it's skill sets. You can you can duplicate skill sets, right? But who I am is unique, and if I take those skill sets and I'm able to to use them in my unique way, then I create a unique advantage. And you know this this idea of creating separation started for me on the football field. You know, in a very literal sense, it was my job as a wide receiver. You know, was to to find a way to create space between me and the defender so I can make a play. And when you start to to really think about it. The casual fan thinks that that's an all of, you know, that's a hundred percent physical process. You're, you're either faster than the person, you're stronger than the person, but it's really a very strategic process in that you have to understand who you are first, right? You have to understand. I had to understand that I was six, four, 225 pounds. So I had to run routes like a six, four, 225 pound person. If I went out and tried to try to, you know, run like the little, you know, five, eight speed guys, I wouldn't have been successful. I wouldn't, I, I would have, I wouldn't have been able to walk in, you know, the best and highest use of my abilities. Right. So it starts with understanding who you are first and foremost, 
which allows you to formulate a strategy that, that you can win, right? Um, from there, you got to understand what the landscape is that you're facing. You got to understand the opponent. You know, in my case, it was the defender right in front of me, but it was also this defensive scheme that, you know, they're kind of built within as well. So when you start to break down the X's and O's, you really start to understand that it's, it's all strategic positioning. And um, that's, that's really the way that I was able to come out of, of Hofstra as a, you know, left wide out for four years that never played in the slot, never played on the right side of the field um, and go into a situation at the highest level and be able to, you know, learn how to play different positions against the best competitors in the world because it's all strategic positioning. Yeah. So what I, what I hear, like you said, self-awareness at the beginning of like just being self-aware, pressing pause in no matter in business and life and sports, but being self-aware of your strengths or weaknesses or what you're trying to accomplish, then you say, you know, that allows you to develop a strategy to potentially win. Um, and I think that's really, really, you know, good mindset there. One thing I, I saw, uh, Marcus, is, is is what you're doing now, you know, with the NFL Players, Inc., and what you did, what Drew Brees said about you, the most selfless teammate, uh, Dan Dalrymple, strength coach, who's a good friend of mine who, who coached me in college, coached you in the NFL. We're definitely not the same athletes. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. You're unbelievable, and I was a four-string quarterback. But anyway, uh, Dan Dalrymple, God bless you. Um, but they all say you're selfless, Right. How does that work? Not just, you know, people saw that or heard Drew Brees talk about that. How do you be selfless in a business setting in life? Like what are maybe some things, cause that's a big core component of you as a person and what you've done in life. Like when they say the word selfless, how do you institute that in other platforms outside of sports? No, it's, it's, it's very interesting because I, I've never, that, that wouldn't be the first word that, that I would use to describe myself. Um, you know, because ultimately, I think what what made what made me that way is understanding what a win is and understanding what a win looks like. And I think in a team setting, when you understand um, what what it takes to get a win, and you understand, you know, that every person has to play their particular role, then it allows you to get into this mode where you trust everyone around you to make the play when they're supposed to make the play. And it, and it gives you a comfort, a comfortability that allows you to kind of move in your lane and um, be always be ready to make the play when it's your time to make the play, <clears throat> but you don't feel like you have to go above and beyond to make plays for other people. And, <clears throat> you know, to me, there's a direct translation into the business world because when you have, when you have employees, when you have a team that, that can understand and visualize what a win is like to, to me, visualization is, is the number one thing. You have to be able to understand what is the destination that I'm actually chasing? Because if you don't have a crystal clear vision of what that is, what it looks like, what it feels like, you have no, idea. you, you can be there and not know it. Right. So <clears throat> to me, it always starts with understanding what is the destination? What is the win? Defining that out and being able to kind of reverse engineer how you fit into that win. And if you have enough people that, that, you know, are able to think that way and think about the big picture win, you know, as the top priority, 
you, you can start to build a team that comes across as, as selfless because everyone knows the lane that they need to play in to go get that win. No, that's great. <clears throat> so I guess in our world, I'll use us as an example. We're trying to get from 150 million to 200 million in sales this year. I need to lay that out, which we're working. We're calling the RDC 200. It's like a four lap race, but we're clarifying that's the destination we want to get to. Is that something you know, that you were mentioning, was it like to parlay that back to, I guess your playing days, was that where Sean Payton was like, Hey, this year, our expectation is to win a Super Bowl, Right. And that's that. And then you backed in from the vision down into your specific, you know, how you need to behave in practice to off season to, you know, in the games, is that similar to, let's just say us at RD, is it, you know, 200 million though, and each person's going to have to own their element is that you know how a, a, a appropriate translation from sports to business yeah i think that's that's definitely a, a huge component of it um and the, the other thing that that you tie into it is we we set out every training camp and the, and the end goal was to win a super bowl but you can't win that last game in february until you get through the preseason and you understand who's going to be on your roster you got to get through week one which is a unique challenge in its own right Week two might be a different challenge. You might, week one, you might play a team that is, you know, has a has a relatively weak pass defense. So, you know, you have to win this game, I've got to go air it out, right? The next week, you might play a game with a, you know, that, that gives up a ton of yards on the ground in, in the run game. So, you know, that game plan for that week, um, you know, it's going to be heavy run game. So it's, it's defining that end destination. And your point, it's that $200 million in sales, but you can't get to 200 million until you get to 20 million, right? So it's, it's, it's having enough, setting the parameters that, you know, that, that everyone understands where the destination is and it's hitting those milestones along the way, knowing that situationally, each one of those milestones might look different. The execution of those milestones might look different, but it all fits into this big picture win at the end of the day. That's great. Appreciate that. You know, obviously you're helping guide and sustain business success for growth minded leaders. So little selfish question of that, if I was on the right path. So I appreciate <laughs> your insight there uh, on the, on the business front. Um, something I thought was, you know, I love what you're doing, I guess, is trying to help NFL. We talked about this before the podcast is helping those that need help in once again, to me, that's selfless, but really helping players. And we both talked about guys we know that struggle with the transition from being a player into business or as a player, where do you place your investments? How do you maximize your ROI on the cash that you have, right? And you're really taking a step in that endeavor in many different ways. But can you kind of talk about what spurred that on for you to kind of help, you know, in that area? Was it, you know, experiences you went through and then kind of the you know, laying out to those that don't know what you're doing as far as that's concerned? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can, I guess I'll start with the, the back end of that first. Um, you know, one of the, one of the areas that I'm, I'm really focused on is, is helping athletes in transition. Um, so that transition from current athlete to former athlete <clears throat> and to those that um, haven't been through that transition, it sounds like an event. It's like, all right, one job is over. It's time to transition and shift gears and go go and find a new career path. But for, for us athletes, 
there's there's a whole lot more tied into that that role of of athlete. <clears throat> you know, for a lot of us, our identity is completely tied into, you know, what we did for a living. And you know, you know, in my in my case, I started playing football when I was seven, and I retired at 32. You know, so for 25 years, football player was was a huge component, a huge part of of how I identified myself. And, you know, when you make that transition, you know, it's more of a journey than it is just this event that happens. And, you know, for a lot of us, the ride is over before we're ready for the ride to be over. You know, whether it be injury, whether it be, you know, you're just getting rocking and rolling in college and, you know, here comes your senior year and it's time to transition. But, you know, we have so much of our, our physical ability, so much of our emotional capacity, our psychological capacity tied into that role as an athlete. And the transition is not one that really holistically supports you, right? Um, when you look at the transition in professional sports, you have a bit of a leg up because you're going you're gonna to leave with some resources, right? Some, some uh, you know, economic resources, right? But when you look at collegiate athletes, collegiate student athletes who, for all intents and purposes, have two full-time jobs, one as a student, one as an athlete, you know, those that aren't fortunate enough to go on to play professional sports, you know, there's a lot of, of experiences, a lot, a lot of life experiences on the peripheral of college sports that you just don't get to experience, right? Your time commitment to your sports schedule is one that you're not going to get a ton of internship opportunities. Um, you're not going to get a ton of those personal development and those social development opportunities. So when it's time for you to transition, you know, you're entering into a workforce competing against your peers that have, you know, they might be light years ahead of you in terms of those other things. So a lot of the work, um, kind of going back to, you know, how I started the conversation with, with really understanding who you are. Um, a lot of the work is, is really helping those athletes that are in transition understand who they are and really, more importantly, understand the lived experiences and the, the, the soft skills and the emotional intelligence that you've developed through sport that you just don't, you might not even realize that you've been developing it, you know, in a broader sense, because you see it from this narrow context. So a lot of the work is, is just really helping within that transition process, helping athletes really understand the value, the broad base value of the skills that they've been developing over time and helping them reposition those for the next chapter. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that's a huge need and you're going to help. I think that's a legacy. Lots of things you're doing, I think, leaving a legacy. But to me, that's you know going, that's filling a huge need and void that will help others create legacies like you said, that to me will 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 live on forever. Um, you talk about I, I love this. This is kind of changing tune a little bit, but pressure bust pipes and it also makes diamonds. I thought that I heard you I heard you say that in one of your quotes, and I hadn't heard that. I knew I knew pressure had had uh, makes diamonds, but it's been a minute since I was like, you know what? I love sayings like that because sometimes you know if you look at yourself as a pipe or could it be a diamond, you know being uh, positively optimistic or just being that negative, you know, person that's always blaming, complaining or defending or, or something of that sort. Can you kind of talk through, like you said, the growth minded leadership? And is it, you know, that that I guess, quote, and anything else kind of 
that could be a takeaway, a simple saying that someone listening could maybe resonate with that is going through adversity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to me, there's 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 really two sides to every to every equation. There's two sides to the, to the coin, no matter no matter how you look at it. Right. Um, and what decides. More often than not, what decides which side you fall on is is your mindset and your your approach, and your perspective. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of isms and sayings that that you get playing football and playing sports. Um, you know, but the the one that I that I live that I live with really every day is is that things are going to happen. Um, the end result is is a function of what you do with them, right? And you know, adversity is going to come. It's just a part of life. It's a fact of life. And if you're someone that that is is kind of rooted in that fixed mindset that you're expecting bad things to come and and you know there is only bad things that come from bad things coming, um, then you're going to be, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of, of, you know, the equation. Um, but if you're somebody that, that, you know, has adopted and, and is really rooted in more of that growth mindset to where yes, adversity is coming, but there's not necessarily a loss or a setback that's permanent. This is a learning moment that I can actually take. I can extract the lessons and, you know, continue to move forward. And I can let this adversity sharpen my skills or I can let this adversity, um, you know, become a motivating factor that pushes me forward. You know, if, if you're someone in, that's rooted in that kind of a mindset, then adversity, you know, tends to strengthen you. Right. And, you know, kind of back to back to that athlete mindset for a second. You know, that's one thing that that we it's, it's kind of rooted in the way that we operate. Right. Especially in football. You know, you, you have a play that lasts six seconds and no matter what happens in that play, if you don't reset your mind and get ready to go out and perform the next play, you're going to get your ass kicked. Right. Yep. So it, it kind of trains you to to take the lessons, you know, apply them when necessary. But you always got to keep your eyes moving forward. Um, and if you don't learn those lessons, you know, they, they kind of repeat themselves until you learn them. Right. If, if you show a weakness on film. <clears throat> that you can't stop this one particular play, you better believe for, for the rest of the season, you don't get that play until you stop it. Yeah. They're going to keep busting that pipe. It, it's coming. <laughs> you ain't making time. diamonds. You're, you're getting that pipe busted <laughs> there. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think a lot of it is, is, is that mindset and that approach to, to, you know, what do you do with the adversity? Is it something that, that you're waiting for and you, you're, you just know it's going to be negative on the flip side. Is this something that you can take, you can extract the learning moments and let it improve you. Yeah, you don't even use in a lot of your leadership language. You don't even use losing. You you use learning. You know, you're either winning or learning. And I think that mm -hmm. alone, like you said, it's it's going to happen. You can say losses, but why not spin it in a positive light? I love that. Like, hey, you're not. You know, I've heard it different times, but I think that's just an easy way of saying, hey, you're not. You're not losing. You're learning. If you if you if you look at it that way, you're going to have more wins than losses. So. I thought that was Absolutely. also a way to create separation in, in business or in life as well. Um, going through here, there, there's a couple other other things, um, you know, outside of, you know, the football. I, I want to know from a hiring perspective. I'm in the staffing and recruiting business at Marcus Colston Enterprises, the MCE. What are the three? What are maybe three non-negotiables to work at MCE? Like, what do you look at? 
when you're hiring someone at your organization or you recommend, is there certain characteristics or behaviors that are, are non-negotiable to MCE? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there are a handful of values that, that as an individual and as a company, you know, they, they, um, they, they are non-negotiable. Um, you know, one, one is, is, um, you've got to be, you've got to have leadership qualities. You don't necessarily have to be a leader, but you've got to, to want to lead in an innovative way, um, lead with curiosity. Um, and you have to be able to accept leadership at the same time. Um, you know, another, another quality that we look for is, is just the pursuit of excellence, not perfection, but the pursuit of excellence. Um, you know, because there's, they sound very similar on the surface, but when you really dig into them, um, the thing that, that has driven my career to this point has been this process orientation, not a results orientation. Um, so the process of pursuing excellence, you know, is something that's really important to us. Um, and you got to have resilience um, because, again, there, there's adversity is coming, you know, whether it be personal adversity um, in the business. There's a bad quarter right around the corner that you that you may or might not know about. And you've got to be able to to have the resilience and that growth mindset to, again, extract the lessons um, so that, you know, when that next quarter comes around or that next cycle comes around, you now have the ammunition to to go out and, you know, be able to move the business and move the process forward in a way that's going to drive success. Yeah. Hopefully I help someone out that's listening that if Marcus has uh, open recs or open uh, jobs <laughs> at the MCE, now you guys know what you need to do. You better, better be verbalizing that or it better be showing on the resume more importantly in the body of work. But I do think, you know, pursuit of excellence and, and having resilience, I think so much now from my standpoint is, is when adversity or an event happens, um, how do you overcome that with your response for a more, you know, probable, favorable outcome? And I think that's so big in, in life and in business. So that's, that's fantastic. What is, as we, as we come to the conclude here, um, conclusion, excuse me, what is the future for, for you and your enterprises and the different things you do? What, what is, uh, the, the, the next, uh, thing that you're working on or different things you're trying to expand? Yeah, so so one of the things that that I'm looking to to get launched here, hopefully in in Q2, is this um, this athlete transition platform that I'm calling Athlete 2.0. Um, you know, it's 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 the way I envision it is it's going to be a it's a platform for athletes in transition, really focused on collegiate student athletes, um, more of a membership model that gives gives student athletes access to you know resources tools you know, networking, thought leaders, um, you know, because that, that, that group, um, especially with this, this name, image, and likeness, um, I think personally, I think there's more of a need now than ever um, for those student athletes to be able to find their identity and find um, who they are, how, how they operate best um, as they make that transition, because there are now opportunities to, um, there are opportunities to create brands that are sustainable, right? And name, image, and likeness, you know, it's kind of the proliferation of, of you know, influencer marketing that we've seen for, for a while around, around athletes. But I think this is a really unique moment in time for, for college student athletes to really own who they are holistically 
and, you know, be able to start to create sustainable brands around that. So I'm really excited about, you know, being able to launch that platform um, here in the next handful of months. That's exciting. I always think about like, once again, how do you expand to, to gain the revenue? And also it sounds like you have some parameters, make sure to pay those taxes and <laughs> educate on how to expand that, that capital. Uh, and I'm sure that's, like you said, it sounds like you're, you know, the, in, that will be involved in, in athlete 2.0. Cause that, that was, you know, I wasn't, you know, fortunate enough to, to, to be, you know, as a, as a pro athlete or really even a, a good college athlete, but when I first got money, I'm like, man, uncle Sam, that, that, that's no joke. That thing called taxes that don't, you can't mess around with that thing. So, you know, I think that's no, something I, these, these, these young guys and gals will, will, will have to learn as the money comes in as well. So. No, absolutely. And I mean, you, you know how the game works. I mean, when, when there's, when opportunities come around, um, everybody wants a bite of the apple, right? So, you know, yep. a year ago this time, there wasn't, a, it was some chatter around name, image and name, image and likeness. But now you see agencies popping up all over the place. You see startup agencies, you see the big agencies, you know, shifting gears to take advantage of it. Um, you know, but ultimately the way that the, the sports ecosystem works is, is there's a bunch of different verticals that they play their part and they don't really um, take the time or the effort or energy to educate around the other parts. And, you know, it's a really dangerous time for student athletes right now. Uh, that don't have that holistic approach to to really be able to manage not just their name, image, and likeness, but how can you manage and build a brand that that encapsulates who you are and can actually propel you forward as opposed to keeping you stuck in this, you know, in this this marketing role, um, this influencer marketing role that a lot of them are getting stuck in right now. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. So love. Love what you're doing. I always ask this from from guests, or I've I've Eliana, my assistant's been telling me I've been slacking on this question. So Eliana, I'm not not forgetting. What book are you currently reading, or a book recommendation? We love to hear that as well. So I I, I just finished um, the Four Agreements, um, and you know I, I'm kind of I'm on this quest. I set a goal this year to to read thirty books. Um, so that was, that was book number three, uh, of this year for me. So I think, um, next I'm on to, I believe the alchemist. Love it. Love it. Me and you are in a book race. Eliana <laughs> wants me to read two a month and I'm like, Woo, I got, I got, I had a little bit of backfill from last year, last week. I'm actually reading a book, uh, pursuit of excellence. It's actually the name of it. One of my podcast mentors, Ryan Hawk from the learning leader. Okay. So shout out when you said pursuit of excellence. So We'll have to uh, maybe trade, do some book trades. I've been, I've been getting in with uh, different people, and and I I didn't read. This is terrible to say, Marcus. I didn't read a book until after college. Believe it or not, I always did the cliff notes. I know, <laughs> I know, mom, mom. I'm sorry, dad. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I think you know this, but I did not read a damn book until I got out of school, which is which is which is a mistake. <laughs> do not do that, young people. But what I would say the self-awareness eventually popped on for me. Like you said, you got to become self-aware. And as a leader, I realized, you know, I need to be a learning leader and I didn't know everything and surround myself with folks like you that are pushing for, for, you know, enhancing, you know, leadership abilities. And, and that came down to not books, right? Podcasts and different things like that. And once I got in, man, I was addicted. It's, it's, it's a problem now. I'm, I'm, I'm buying books left and right. I'm trying to figure out how to, if I wake up in the middle of the night and pop it on an audible with the book and, 
mm-hmm. you know, walking and, and getting cardio at times, reading a book. But no, that's good. We'll have to, the four agreements, right? You said that. That's four your, agreements. And then yep. you're, the, and, the alchemist is, I got to uh, mention that as well. I think this uh, NBA team read it. I think I, I was getting it referred over. They, they, maybe it was the Spurs or someone. They call one of the guys the alchemist now. Um, so I don't know what it is or about the novel, but I heard it's pretty good. So we'll definitely have to look up those. Um, anything else? How, how do folks listening last thing engage with you on your social platforms? If you have any handles you want to share? Yeah, for sure. So, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my handle is just my name, Marcus Colston. Um, and my website is, is Marcus Colston.xyz. Yeah. Really good stuff there too, by the way. Um, great follow. You know, um, I follow you on all the platforms, but I love the Twitter, those quick nuggets, man. It's, it gets my day going. So I love positive content. Like you said, fill your social media up with positivity. Marcus Colson's definitely one of those. Thank you, brother, for coming on. Really appreciate continued success. The best is ahead for you. And I can't wait to uh, follow you and watch all the great things you do. I, I really appreciate it, man. I look forward to staying connected. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps. Leave a five-star rating and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.